You're listening to Brains On, where we get curious about the science of everything. You know what? We're just going to do it. What? I know you don't want to wait. What? We're going to start off with the mystery sound. Yes! Yes. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and here is the mystery sound. I have two co-hosts here with me today who are going to give us their best guesses. 12-year-old Harry Hinsey Francis and 9-year-old Allie Hinsey Francis. They are brother and sister from Minneapolis. Hello. Hi. Do you guys have any guesses about that mystery sound? It sounds like rain. What do you think, Allie? Um, it sounds like birds that are flapping away really fast. Both excellent guesses. We're going to hear the sound again a little later in the show so you can think about it a little bit more. But let's tell them what this show is all about first. Good call. Today is all about butterflies, and not just any butterfly. It's the... Monarch butterflies. How would you describe what a monarch looks like for people who might not know? Orange and then, like, either really dark brown or, like, black. We know who are boys and girls because the boys have... Black spots and the girls have fatter stripes of black. The pattern on their wings are different if they're a boy or a girl? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a good fact. So how do you know so much about monarchs? We just started raising them. So you raise monarchs at your house? Yes. Do you put them, how do you raise them, outside, inside? Uh, We raise them inside so that, like, rain and stuff doesn't get to them. And we basically just put them in a fish tank with... A bunch of leaves. I'm going to ask you some more questions about raising monarchs a little later. Okay. And the reason we're talking about monarchs today is that they're unique. They're the only butterfly to travel thousands of miles when the seasons change. They head south during fall. And in spring, they come back north. They don't have a car. Or an airplane ticket. And they don't hitch rides on the back of a motorcycle. They just have their two little wings. So how do they do it? How do they migrate thousands of miles? And why? Let's find out right now. Keep listening. Keep listening. Keep listening? The answer of why monarchs travel south for the winter at the very heart of it is pretty simple. It's just too cold up north. It's the same reason some birds fly south for the winter. But the bigger question is, if monarchs need to travel south... Why don't other insects like beetles or ants need to find a warmer home in the winter? To find out, we sent a Brains On reporter on a special assignment. It's cold here. Hey, kid, your mic's on. We're live here. Oh, right. My name's Jack, and I'm here on a special assignment. Somewhere very cold to interview. Uh, what does that say? A beetle. A beetle? Cool. I love the beetles. Is it Ringo or is it Paul? Where is he? No, no, no. A beetle like a bug. Me, I'm a beetle. See? Oh, that kind of beetle. Hey there, little bug. What are you doing out here in the cold? And why aren't you wearing a jacket? It's freezing. Well, that's what I'm here to tell you about. I have a special way of keeping myself from freezing. I'm ectothermic. What am a thermic? Ectothermic. 
hypothermic. It means I don't really produce my own body heat. So insulating with fat wouldn't help me stay warm. I'm pretty much always the temperature of the environment around me. If it's hot out, I'm hot. If it's cold out, I'm cold. So then like, why aren't you a bug icicle right now? It's so cold, even my fingers are icy. Look, I can see my breath. <sighs> hey, not my face. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I appreciate the attention. People don't think I'm that interesting. They don't even take the time to ask. But guess what? The reason I don't need a jacket or hot cocoa is that I have a type of antifreeze inside my body. Huh? Antifreeze? Yeah, imagine if I didn't have it. Ice crystals could form in my cells. Those cells would get destroyed. And that would be the end for me. So my body produces a protein that actually prevents water from turning to ice, even when it's below freezing outside. Antifreeze. Whoa, that's a really cool trick. It helps the fluid in my body stay liquid, even though outside my body, water is freezing. Lots of bugs do this to survive the winter. Other bugs can even control the way the liquid around their cells freezes to minimize damage. And then some bugs just burrow into the ground where it's warm and wait for the summer. Us bugs have all kinds of ways of surviving the cold winter. Huh, I guess that makes bugs pretty cool, right? Well, I thought it was funny. Besides, aren't you a beetle, not a cricket? I do impressions. Since I don't have antifreeze in my blood, I better get out of here and go someplace warm. This is Special Correspondent Jack, signing off. Was there anything in that skit that you found particularly interesting? I thought that it was interesting that they have antifreeze in their bodies. Do you wish you had antifreeze in your bodies? Yes. Uh. Well, considering that it's poisonous, no. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, our bodies probably don't have it for a reason, but it's cool that bugs can use it to, to survive the winter. Yeah. But monarchs don't have it, and that is why they need to go south. Brains <laughs> on. So we've got the why taken care of. Now for the how. Not all monarchs migrate to the same place. Monarchs from the West Coast go to California, and some from the East Coast go to Florida. But many monarchs from Canada and the Midwest and even the eastern part of the country travel to Mexico. To the tops of some very specific mountains in central Mexico. For a monarch traveling from just outside our studios here in St. Paul, Minnesota, that's over 2,000 miles. We wanted to know, how do they do that? So we talked to a biologist, Karen Oberhauser. She's been studying monarchs for 30 years, and she's a professor at the University of Minnesota. How do they go to Mexico? Like, how do they find their way? Well, that is an excellent question. And I always like questions that we don't 100% know the answer to. So we know that the monarchs use the sun in the sky to know how to fly south. So if, it, if you imagine a map and it's morning, the butterflies need to keep the sun on their left in order to fly south, okay, because the sun comes up in the east, and if they keep the sun on their left, they'll fly south. And if it's noontime, they want to kind of head toward the sun, and if it's afternoon, they want to keep the sun on their right. Then they know how to fly south. And if it's not sunny the sun is under clouds like it is today, they can still migrate, and what they do is they use the Earth's magnetic field, so they kind of have a compass in their body. But that doesn't completely answer your question, because if you were here in Minnesota, and you wanted to get to a certain place in Mexico, and all you knew was which way is south, 
you could not get to that certain place. You'd have to know that you were in Minnesota, and what if you were in Maine and you wanted to fly to that place in Mexico? Then you would have to fly a little bit west in order to get there. So that's what we don't know, is how the monarchs find that exact spot in Mexico. All we understand is how they know which way is south. It would kind of be like trying to get somewhere without a map, and all you have is a compass. So you really need the map and the compass, and we don't know about the map yet. So maybe somebody like you, who grows up and becomes a scientist, can figure that one out for us. What I think about what it could be is it's like it's programmed into their like genetic code to know which way you need to go. That's probably the right answer. So we need to understand exactly what's programmed into their genetic code, how they actually sense the things in the outside world, because they can't learn. Because they're, the butterflies that migrated the last time have been dead a long time, so there aren't any butterflies around to show them the way. Like, a lot of birds learn to migrate from their parents, like um, yeah. a lot of geese and things. They migrate with other birds who have already figured out the way. But butterflies have to just know how to do it, so it's got to be, just like you said, programmed into their genetic code. One idea that people have is they use landforms. They kind of have these genetic rules built into their brain, and it tells them, go south as far as you can until you hit the ocean and then turn left or turn west. Um, that, that's one possibility. Or they could actually be able to sense where they are. It's possible they have, you know, they have the ability to sense that um, they're, you know, they're at this place in the United States, so they need to fly in this direction to get to Mexico. We don't really know what the rules are that they use. Uh, how long does it take for them to get down to Mexico? That is a good question. Nobody has ever tracked one monarch all the way to Mexico. We know that they start leaving here in kind of the middle of August. And right around the end of October is when they start arriving at the overwintering sites in Mexico. So somewhere on the order of two and a half to three months is probably how long it takes them. And then do, so they must stop a lot along the way, not just a straight shot to Mexico? Yeah. In fact, we know that it's really important for them to have nectar along the way. So from a conservation perspective, the monarchs up here, they need a lot of milkweed. The caterpillars need milkweed and the adults need nectar. But when they're migrating, they need energy to fuel that flight. They a need lot. to store up a lot of energy because they have to stay alive all winter. Mm -hmm. If we imagine, let's just think of a monarch right now. So the monarchs that we saw out in the garden this morning, those monarchs are on their way to Mexico. We're not sure where they started, probably a little bit north of here. And they're flying south. So those butterflies are going to fly all the way through Iowa and south through Texas and into the middle of Mexico. And they'll find mountaintops, so they go to certain mountaintops in Mexico, and they stay there all winter long. And in the spring, they sense what's changing in the springtime, the opposite of what's changing now. Mm -hmm. The days are getting longer. Yeah. Yep. So they sense that the days are getting longer, so in the springtime, they know that they should fly back north. So they fly north, and the very butterflies that we saw in our garden won't come all the way back to Minnesota. They'll get somewhere into Texas or maybe up into Oklahoma, and they'll lay eggs there. 
and then their eggs will hatch and become caterpillars and eat and eat and eat a lot of milkweed, and then they'll come up here. Okay, so they migrate south, the same butterflies come north, they lay eggs in the south, so her children will come back here and lay eggs. So the caterpillars that you see next spring will be the grandchildren of the ones that left here. As adults, those butterflies only live for about one month, and then they die. Their offspring continue on, but the ones that migrate to Mexico live up to eight or even nine months. And the reason they can do that is when they go to Mexico, it's quite cool in those mountains. So they're going to a place, it's kind of like a refrigerator. Up here, it's like a freezer in the winter, but where they are in Mexico, it's like a refrigerator. It's cool, and they can stay alive longer because... Their whole metabolism, everything about their body so just slows kind of like down. in the cooler down in the lab. Exactly. In fact, we often keep them all winter in our cooler, and we kind of make it like the conditions in Mexico. Cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And the other thing that lets them live longer is they're not mating and laying eggs. So when they start... Um, producing eggs, that kind of takes a lot out of their body. So it, it makes them get old faster and die. So they, the butterflies that migrate to Mexico wait until the next spring before they lay eggs so they can live all through the winter. That's really cool. It is very cool. Today we're answering the question, how do monarchs travel thousands of miles? In past episodes, we've answered questions like... Is there life on other planets? And... Can dinosaurs be brought back from extinction? We'd love to find answers to your questions. Send us your questions, big or small, and they may be answered on an upcoming episode. You can email them to us at brainson at npr.org. That's brainson, all one word, at m, as in Minnesota, pr.org. Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel anytime. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. 
So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. I'm Molly Bloom. And I'm Harry Hensley Francis. And I'm Alessandra Hensley Francis. So, Allie and Harry, as we were talking about earlier, you know a lot about monarchs firsthand because you've been raising them this year. What do caterpillars need to grow? They need food. And they need some place where they can be sheltered from the elements and predators. What kind of food do they eat? Uh, Monarchs eat uh, milkweed, and they basically just eat whatever they were born on. And what's it like to watch them turn from a caterpillar into a butterfly? It's very cool, because, like, you can see them in their different stages, like... Every instar, you can see them growing. So explain what that is for people who don't know. Uh, the instar is a basically their stages of growth. And it's like they'll be moving and moving and eating and eating, and then they'll stop. And that's them shedding their exoskeleton. At what point do they go into the chrysalis? After about their fifth instar about. And then inside the chrysalis, can you see through it to see what they look like? Uh Not until the very last day in which they get all their colors. And then it turns black and orange, and it looks really cool. So that's how you can tell they're about to hatch out and become a butterfly when it gets darker. (laughs) That's really cool. So when when your butterflies came out, Allie, what did you do with them? We set them free. And where did you set them free? We set them free on our front porch. You said goodbye, little butterfly. Good luck. Have fun in Mexico. Yeah, basically. Your family is doing a lot to help butterflies, and that's very important because Karen Oberhauser explained to us that the population of monarchs is actually declining. The number of monarchs migrating has dropped by a lot in recent years. Yeah. Professor Oberhauser told us that one of the reasons for the drop is there's just not enough milkweed anymore. People are using the land in different ways. So, for example, there used to be quite a lot of milkweed growing in fields, but now the milkweed doesn't grow there because the farmers are are keeping the milkweed out of their fields. They need to do that. They need to keep weeds out of their fields. If you have a garden, you have to weed your garden. So we've lost a lot of habitat that used to be available for monarchs. So what that means is we need to do everything we can to make sure there's other places for monarchs to find milkweed and nectar plants. So we need to plant gardens in our yards. We need to talk to people who own parks, like if there's a city park or a state park, they should plant milkweed and nectar plants in land that they have. We could plant milkweed and nectar plants along roadsides. So we just need to be creative and think of other places that we can plant milkweed. We have a front garden that it's it's with basically like a prairie garden. Flowers. Uh huh. So we've got a bunch of yeah. Milkweed. And we see monarchs fly over there and lay eggs and get nectar and stuff. 
That's great. So your your family is really doing a lot to help monarchs. If enough people do that, we'll have enough space for monarchs and the population can get back to what it used to be, we hope. And not only can you help by making sure there's enough milkweed for monarchs. You can also help by becoming a citizen scientist. In the United States, there are 17 different monarch citizen science programs. We have a program out of the University of Minnesota that's called the Monarch Larva Monitoring Project. And in that one, people go out into their gardens or parks or somewhere there's milkweed, like you could do it in your yard, and they just look at as many plants as they can, and they write down how many plants they look at and how many eggs and caterpillars they see. And there's another one where people, it's called Journey North, where people write down and enter on a website the first monarch they see in the spring. And if everybody writes down when they see their first monarch, we actually get this picture of the monarchs moving north. So there are a lot of things we can answer with citizen science data. By using your skills of observation, you can help scientists figure out a lot about monarchs. For more about how you can become a citizen scientist, visit our website. Brainson.org. Your eyes are needed to spot monarchs as they come through your town. But right now, I want you to close them and use your ears. It's time again for the mystery sound. Let's hear it one more time. Any new guesses since last time? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that it's rain. But it also might be the sound of a bunch of monarchs migrating. Here to reveal the answer is Peter Tilly. That's the sound of butterflies flapping their wings in the sun. So you were right, Harry. Yay! My name is Peter Tilly. I'm the supervising sound editor for Flight of the Butterflies, the IMAX 3D film. Since Peter was recording the sound of the monarchs for a movie, he and his team did a little bit extra to enhance the sound. We actually had the butterflies landing on the microphones and very close to them. So that was one of the elements that we used. And then we just used uh, textures of other plants, other pieces of cloth, and so on. Peter and his team made the very cool IMAX movie Flight of the Butterflies, a 3D movie tracking the journey of monarchs from Canada all the way to Mexico. It's playing all around the country. You can find out where at flightofthebutterfly.com. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a mini-sode with a bonus mystery sound. It's another one from this movie, so tune in to find out what it is. We've got our answer. Butterflies need a fridge and not a freezer to survive the winter. So they head south. It takes the monarchs months to travel over 2,000 miles to Mexico. And to get there, they use their inner clocks and compasses. But scientists still don't know exactly how they find their way to the mountains. We do know that we can help monarchs by planting milkweed and natural plants to keep them going. And we can be citizen scientists. That's it for this episode of Brains On. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite app or review it on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Brains underscore on. And you can like us on Facebook. And you can always send questions and virtual high fives by email to a brains on at npr.org. Many thanks to Leela Higgins, Carl Stanoyan, Annie Gilbertson, and Jack and Sam Grotenstein. This episode was produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. Thanks for listening.